The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Man, if you guys could hear the stuff we talk about before we hit the record button. Hey, everybody, we are back for another episode of Shooting. And if you're listening to this and you've already listened to last week's episode, thank you so much for sticking around. We're so happy we didn't scare you away. Uh, (laughs) We had some pretty controversial takes, and this episode is probably not going to be that much different. As always, I'm joined by uh, my guys, the premier Joey K and the hot one Jay Minacho. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, this is shooting. I just like a, I just gotta have a reason to play the beep every once in a while, so. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I start piling on the investment money. All right, everyone, we are back with episode seven of Putin. And as always, like I said before, and I'm going to introduce them one more time because these guys are worthy of more than one introduction. So I introduce you once again, my co-host on this show we call Shooting, uh, the premier Joey K and the hot one Jay Minacho. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? DDJ, we are doing fantastic tonight. Are you sure? Because like I mentioned, alluded to in the open... You were pretty uh, animated in the uh, the the discussion we had before we hit the record button. Oh, animated? Not a chance, baby. <laughs> Not a chance tonight. No, Joe. Before I, we let Jay say his peak, I, I just got to say you are full of. Well, that may be true, but <laughs> we're here not for a long time. Just a good time. So yeah. let's kick this damn show off. Give me Jay, something. How you doing tonight? Jay, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to get on Joey's level. Joey's here, and I'm like down here. I need to raise it up because he's he's coming out shooting tonight. I need to try to shoot with them. We have to try to shoot with them. It's gonna be a great show. It's always gonna be a great show. And uh let's uh let's get right into it. So uh we are recording this on uh, Friday night, October the eighth, and uh this is on the heels of uh the season premiere of Friday Night SmackDown, and we saw the season premiere of Friday Night SmackDown marked the beginning of uh, two tournaments: of uh, the return of the King of the Ring tournament, as well as the uh, beginning uh, or the start of the first annual Queen's Crown tournament, which is basically the female equivalent to the King of the Ring. Uh, as you see coming across the screen here, if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, uh, our question is going to be: uh, Who are we picking to win each tournament? And just so you guys can see, if you haven't seen the brackets yet. Uh, the, the bracket, first bracket on the pole up here is the men's bracket. You can see we got Rey Mysterio going up against Sami Zayn, which that match already happened with, uh, Sami Zayn going over. And then we also saw, uh, Finn Balor defeat Cesaro. 
And I'm assuming uh, the, the next two matches will have happened by the time this drops. We'll have had Kofi Kingston going up against former WWE champion Jinder Mahal. And then on the other end, we have fellow New Day member Xavier Woods going up against the one and only Ricochet. And now over on the women's uh, Queen's Crown Tournament, we have Tony Storm and Zelina Vega, which uh, Vega defeated Storm on SmackDown. And then uh, Carmella went over on Liv Morgan. And on the other side of the bracket, we have Dewdrop going up against Natalia and Dana Brooke going up against Shayna Baszler. So, uh, gentlemen, I ask you, who are you picking to win both tournaments? Uh, Jay, let's lead off with you. In controversial fashion, I'll start this off with one take real quick. If Xavier Woods does not win the men's King of the Ring, it was all for naught. He's been the main one pushing this. He's been the main person that wanted to have this happen. Now it's here. It's his time. He's been having some great matches lately. He's been looking real good lately. It's Xavier time, but I need to see that Xavier-Kofi Kingston matchup. That's going to be a key matchup to Xavier taking the whole thing. And on the women's side, they did live Morgan wrong, man. I, I just can't I can't keep hoping that they'll push her one day. But um, I think it comes down to Zelina Vega um, or, or Baszler. It's going to be Zelina or Baszler. And in that matchup, I think they're wanting to push Shayna hard again. So I think Shayna's going to take it. Uh, Joey, what do you got? What he said. I... <laughs> Like, I, I hate to say it, I have about as much interest as this that I do wiping my rear end with sandpaper. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, who's in this? Like, do, do people have wrestling or something? They're supposed to be. I don't know. I think I think I saw Twitter blasting out. There was about three minutes worth of women's wrestling all night. So, obviously, that should tell you how much they care about the Queen's Crown Tournament. Yeah, we're we're back to we're back to uh sixty second women's matches. So wow. That's Go revolution. Go. Um yeah. uh so, but no, actually I really do actually do agree with Jovan. Uh if Woods doesn't win it, it's a crime. It really is because you know, Kofi, we had Kofi Mania. We have Biggie and his current run as WWE champion. Such feel good stories. Look, and I love Xavier Woods, but is he the guy that McMahon's ever going to put the heavyweight title on the world championship? No, he's not. Like, which sucks because it could be done really great. You could have a lot of fun with it. So I think this is kind of the the uh, give and take of it, where Woods might get the run. He'll be the king of the ring, and he's he's the perfect. He has the perfect character to kind of have some fun with it. I really love that. So. Yeah, I really hope Woods pulls it off, gets the big win, wins the king of the ring. Let the new day, let the new day, you know, enjoy their run right now. You know, from you know Kofi Mania, then to Big E, and now have Woods get his spot and his shine. They all deserve it. I love them all. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna triple down on that because uh, when I saw these brackets, I kind of thought to myself, you know. It, this is tailor made for Woods to finally get some sort of significant push. And I think he stands to benefit more than anybody that's still in this tournament with this. And even I could see them taking it a step further and he wins this 
and he gets so full of himself that he actually ends up becoming, I think he could end up turning heel during this uh, King of the Ring run. Because uh, he, he's that guy that, you know, everybody loves in the New Day. But I think he, he could easily, just, just as easily be the guy that everybody wants to see get his ass kicked. As well. Consequences Creed. Yeah. And then on the women, I, it, I I was thinking when the brackets were announced, I was thinking, okay, it's either got to be Liv Morgan or Shayna Baszler. Obviously, it's not going to be Liv Morgan because she got dropped in the first round. But, I mean, to me, then I thought about it, and I'm thinking, you know what? What was Shayna Baszler like? What who what was she known as? The Queen of Spades. Exactly, and there you go, right That's in right, really right in that 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 tagline or whatever you want to call it, nickname the Queen the Queen of Spades. You know, who better? Uh, rest in peace, uh, Chris Canyon. Uh, do you know who better than the Queen of Spades to uh, win the wear the uh, be the first woman to wear the Queen's crown? I like it. So there is we it, go. Is it like weird it. though. That King Corbin, not even King Corbin, but King Nakamura wasn't in there. The Queen Charlotte wasn't in the women's. I think, I think more or less the 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 in like well, I on SmackDown as well too. I believe uh, King Nakamura actually gave up his crown, so he's going back to being known as Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, as long as he still's got Rick Boogs with him, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Guy sucks. Dude, man, come on! Don't be, don't hate on Boogs like that. Okay, actually, no, I, I'm going to. I hate that gimmick. I hate that, dude. Shinsuke Nakamura. More on this later, but Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't need a heater. He doesn't need some goof playing his guitar and screaming like an idiot. No, what Shinsuke Nakamura needs is that crown. And walking down like he did at Wrestle Kingdom with the crown on his head, the title around his waist, and the King of Strong style absolutely beating ass all night. That's what he needs. That's what needs to happen 100%. No. Ladies and gentlemen, who, ladies and gentlemen of uh, this uh, audience, that is what you call a tease, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we, may, I get, we may hear that name a little bit later on. So, yeah, so we've all given our picks. We all agree with that. So uh, let's move on and actually let us go to our next one here. Let's go with who is the most entertaining wrestler of all time. And this one, I, I, I thought of this because this was actually something that was being discussed on Busted Open Radio. And it kind of made you think because when you think entertaining, we're not just talking like the best wrestler because that's a completely different category because, you know, you can be like a hell of a wrestler, you know, a la, you know, Bret Hart or, you know, Chris Benoit or just Dean Malenko, like guys that can go, but like, you know, I mean, they're not, you know, really the best maybe at cutting promos or, you know, they may not have, you know, you know, the, the outward or outward charisma, you know, type things like that. So uh, this is more of like the total package, you know, entertaining, cuts a great promo, merge, you know, knows how to captivate an audience and, you know, everything, basically, like I said, the total package and uh, Lex so Luger. Oh, no, sorry. Not that total package. Uh, but uh, J- uh, Joey, why don't you leave this one off? I would love to. Uh, no one in this world 
in any era has captivated an audience, has made true wrestling fans feel the emotion in a match. No other athlete in the world has ever compared to the Brooklyn brawler, Steve Lombardi. Absolutely. (laughs) Hands hands down. Garbage. The most entertaining. No. Um, (laughs) All right. So my. I was about ready to announce that we were going to have open auditions for uh, the premier's replacement. No. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, chappy chappy pee pee. Uh, no, no, no. So let's, um, no, real, really though. I I mean, the most entertaining. So you have to really go back and you look at a few different eras of, you know, what we're talking about because this is open era question, correct? This is, this is open to any era. Yeah. This is all time. So, so all time. It's so hard, but and I'm gonna have a pick that you guys might not agree with, but it's your I, pick. I, I would think so. I have to say the rock. That's, that's not I a mean, bad choice. <laughs> I mean, let's let there's a there's a few, and trust me, there's there's a couple people I had, and I, I pissed Jovan off again. Here we go. But you can we can, hey, we can have the same opinion. Oh, hey, we can be before, friends here. Hey, before you uh <laughs> I'm sorry to inter- interject, but uh off camera, make sure you, you you have Javon tell the story of uh, how uh, the Rock led to him getting an ass whooping on his birthday. Oh, I I'm all ears. One. I've heard this story so many times. It is one of the best <laughs> stories ever. All right, I need to hear this one because I haven't heard this one yet. So we'll save it for we'll save it for after we're done recording. Yeah, that yeah we'll we'll keep that one uh, off the air for now. All right, uh, all right no, all right. Back to that. my pick. Back to my pick. The Rock. The Rock had it. Um, you know, was he maneuver wise, wrestling talent wise? He was he a step ahead of the five moves of doom? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but his character didn't need all the technical ability that say a guy like uh Chris Jericho would need. Okay, just as an example. Um, which another guy who was probably is probably in my top three, maybe, but I'll I don't want to step on any other toes just in case. Just Javon's right now. Uh, The Rock had it, though. On the microphone, when he became The Rock, when Die, Rocky, Die finally finished, Mm -hmm. even in the earliest days, the Nation of Domination days, he had a a lower voice, a slower cadence, um, those things. Not The Rock that we all think of now, that, that post, you know, 2002 version uh the one that comes back every now and then but the, even in the slower case you heard it he had it and the he had the real heat the heat that people absolutely want not the not the heat that's like oh we just don't even want to watch you but that heat's like i need to watch this guy because i want to see who's gonna kick his ass that's came through right away and of course over the years now he comes out he doesn't even have to speak. He says, finally, and the roof blows off. Yep. That's all he has to say. Finally. And pff, done. Um, the inside and outside of the ring, the guy's all business. If you hear the stories, 
he 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 rode with guys that he you know he just wanted to soak in learn the business and of course i mean i think now too looking at his career look at his he's the biggest star in hollywood arguably but i i would say he's probably the biggest star in hollywood at the moment um you know his outside business ventures there's nothing he does half-ass which always leads me to believe that he's learning when he was on the road late 90s early 2000s he's learning he's learning he's picking things up he's doing incorporating everything from his family from all the people he surrounds himself with so that's a guy that i think as far as an entertainer he learned his craft and perfected it and i i can't put anybody else above that right now uh jay who do you got <laughs> I, I can answer that for you uh <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> you, are you gonna? Do you got someone else in mind, or are you just gonna double down? I, I don't want to double down, even though that was my one A choice. Mm. Would have been the most electrifying man in all the sports entertainment. But wow, took took one A off the table. Who do I go with next? I think the person that I'm going to go with had such a meteoric climb in world in the world of wrestling that it has never been seen since, and I quite frankly don't think it ever will be seen again. One simple catchphrase, one simple moment on the mic catapulted this former ring general to stardom. Walter? And that rocket went on his back and sent him straight to the moon. Wait, Cameron Grimes? Not Cameron Grimes. <laughs> it's not Walter? It's not Walter. Not yet. Walter's getting okay. there. I'm going with Stone Cold Steve Austin himself. All right. As one of like the it. most entertaining. He is my 1B. To every rock, there has to be an Austin. Yes. Them two were magic in the ring. Yes, some people could claim that Austin's promo skills weren't the greatest. He was a redneck from Texas, but it's how we are. But, I mean, argue with me that the Austin 316 hasn't transcended wrestling. The what chant hasn't transcended wrestling. What? This (laughs) (laughs) Solely based on everything that he's done for the industry and the short amount of time that he just took off, because it was literally overnight – um the the ring general to stardom. My pick, my one B pick, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Great picks, guys. Uh you definitely can't argue against them, but I've got someone else in mind. And my I I'm gonna go back a few years before the rock. I'm gonna go back a few years before Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm gonna go back to uh sometime in the 1980s when uh so a man was the uh, son of a plumber just captivated just mm. just basically came out of nowhere and just really just was one of those guys that could just have people in his hands uh, with his promos when, when people say to succeed in this business you have to have it Austin had it The Rock had it but I think this guy is the guy that pioneered it. And that is the one, the only, the son of a plumber, the son of a, a Cody and Dustin Rhodes. I'm going with the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. 
I and, like it. And, and this is why. Uh, because when, when people talk about the greatest promos of all time, one that's always mentioned is his Hard Times promo. And he talks about, and one of the things is he, when he cut that promo, he stuck his hand in the camera and he's like, reach out and touch me. Let me take you with me. And the thing was, is just so many people probably saw that promo and they did that. They believed in Dusty. They were behind Dusty. He, a lot of people identified themselves with Dusty because he wasn't like your typical, you know, like six foot, you know, six feet three, you know, 280 pound muscle buff guy, you know, like say like a Hulk Hogan, you know, he was, he wasn't even the build of say like someone like Ric Flair. I mean, he was basically for lack of, he was a bigger guy who didn't look like he had the, the wrestling type of body. But, man, he could go in the ring, and as good as he was in the ring, he was even that much better out of the ring. With the promos, like you said, the hard times promos, you know, I've wined and dined with King and Queens, and I slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans, you know. Just those promos, you know, living on the edge of a lightning bolt. Just everything he cut. And he could, he made, he he got polka dots over. (laughs) How many people in their, how many professional wrestlers can honestly say, that they got polka dots over. Yeah. I mean, he really was the common man and he was the American dream. And it's just, there, he, so many people identified with that. And so many people still to this day identify with that. My, uh, one of my really good friends, Sean, who just recently had a uh, surgery on his shoulder to repair a torn rotator cuff. I love you, bro. Get, get well soon, man. That dusty Rhodes is his guy. And we spent a lot of time talking about him and that's kind of, just the recent talks we've had about Dusty, it's just one of the things that kind of like when I thought of this question, he was like really the first person that popped in my mind. So for me, I, I think the most entertaining guy uh, is uh, Dusty Rhodes. And someone, I'm going to just throw this out there as someone who I don't think, actually, you know what? If we ever say, you know what? I'm going to spill it, but don't be surprised if I bring it up if we ever bring this topic up on a future overrated, underrated subject. I think someone who is in the picture that is currently on the roster today that's currently wrestling today who does not get nowhere near the love he should be getting for as how entertaining he is. And I, this is going to be a hot take as well too. This man should, and will be in the WWE hall of fame one day. And that is one, our truth. I get Yes, I love that. That's that's hundred percent true. Yeah, and it's just I I just do not be surprised if, say, twenty five thirty years from now, if we're still around and we're still doing this podcast and we revisit this question again, do not be surprised if our truth gets brought up because that guy is amazing. He's can go, he can wrestle, he can make you laugh, he can make you cry. He He still looks twenty. Yeah, he, that man does not age at all. Nope. <laughs> okay, so uh, next up here, we are going to go with. Okay, so a little earlier when we were talking about the uh, King of the Ring and Queen's Crown prediction picks, uh, Joey K mentioned uh, one Shinsuke Nakamura. And he kind of alluded to, you know, do not be surprised we talk about him later. So that's going to lead us into our next topic here. So recently, uh, AEW has been pushing the fact that the four pillars of their company 
basically the four guys that they are basing this promotion on, their stars of the future, whatever you want to call it, are Jungle Boy, MJF, uh, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara, the new uh, TNT champion. And uh, this is a ploy off, I believe it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was the four pillars of all Japan pro wrestling. The King's Row, yes. Yes. Well, originally the the four pillars of heaven. Of heaven. Okay. But. Yes. So, so guys, we uh we've we know we've heard the four pillars of AEW, but uh this this uh little thing originated in Japan. So, guys, it's going to ask you here, who are the four modern pillars of Japanese wrestling? And uh, I'm going to leave this one off. So, the first guy I'm going to name is I think someone that really when you're discussing a topic like this. Time out. What? I want to say this before you start. Oh, I I think all three of us will have at least two of the same picks. Okay, I, I, do, I know one. I could possibly see two. I I know one for sure. I can guarantee one, and I I doubt any of us would say different. No, and I really think we're gonna hit we're gonna hit two that each of us will have. And I think our fourth picks will be people that are very surprising. All That's right. my prediction. So before I wanted to jump in before you even started that, I'm gonna I'm gonna say two picks. We'll wait till the end. Uh, of course, you know when, whenever we get to that, but we'll say I, I think it is. Go on, DDJ. All yours. right. So, like I said, the first one here is I think one of the guys that Joey's referring to that all three four, three of us are going to have on this. And to me, he's basically, when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, this guy is the man. He is a standard bearer, the flag bearer, the guy. The, usually when you think New Japan Pro Wrestling, you think of this guy, and that is going to be the one, the only, the rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. I mean, that this guy literally is New Japan Pro Wrestling. I... I, I you can't do uh, you can't have a di- discussion about the four pillars of modern Japanese wrestling and not have this guy in your conversation. I mean, multiple time, you know, uh, IWGP heavyweight cha- champion, uh, you know, always consistently ranked near the top of the PWI 500. Um, I mean, he's he's been all over the world. I mean, he's been just about everywhere heck he main event in madison square garden two years ago and stuff you know and it's very very few wrestlers in this world can that who that you know wrestled in a company other than the wwe can say they main event in madison square garden for another company so to be in that rarefied air you have to have this guy on here now my next guy is someone who is a, is definitely a legend in the world of New Japan wrestling, and I just I can't think again. Much like Okada, I don't think you can ha- talk about the four pillars of Japanese wrestling, and then when you uh, throw this guy in, and that is the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. I I just think this guy, just he he he, he much like we mentioned our truth earlier. All these guys, like he's one of those guys that just does not age. I believe he's I believe he holds the record and correct me if I'm wrong. He I believe he still holds the record for most IWGP championships with eight, I believe. I know Okada's got the record for the single longest title reign, but um I mean yeah. this guy is ageless. I mean, in the last couple of years, you know, I believe he 
if I'm not mistaken, isn't he currently the IWGP US heavyweight champion? He took it off uh, Lance Archer shortly after Archer took it off Moxley. The first non-American to become the IWGP US champion. Technically, wouldn't Kenny Omega be the first non-American since he's Canadian? Well, Non-foreigner. The first, the first Japanese wrestler to be the IWGP. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think that. And then, so, so my for my third pillar, much like Okada, much like Tanahashi, this guy eats, sleeps, and breathes New Japan wrestling. And I think he is the, he is basically the Stone Cold Steve Austin of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and that is one Tetsuya Naito. I mean, this guy, this guy basically started out his career in a tag team with Yujiro Takahashi. And I believe they were called No Limit. And I saw him a few times. Huh? Team No Limit, man. I love them. No Limit. And, you know, I remember seeing these guys, I think, when they came in uh, over the States to do an excursion for uh, TNA. And these guys were really good. But just something about when, you know, Naito went to Mexico and he started running around with Los Ingobernables and he brought that back to Japan. That's when the game changed. That's basically when Naito went from being down here, basically all the way up here. And it's just, he's one of those guys that a lot of people, he, 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 you know, he was disrespectful. He wasn't like, you know, he's basically, I guess you could say almost the antithesis of Okada where Okada was like the company guy. Naito, when he would have a championship belt, he wouldn't wear it over his shoulder. He wouldn't wear it around his waist. He would drag it on the, the ground and he would literally throw the belt in the ring. Like, you know, but, for some reason, the people identified with it. They loved it. I mean, he was like their anti-authority guy. And it's just, again, I mean, I know he's out with an injury right now. Unfortunately, had to withdraw from the the uh, G1 because of a knee injury. So hopefully he gets well and gets back into the ring sooner rather than later because he's got a lot of people, including this guy right here, who absolutely loves him and wishes him nothing but the best. Now for my last guy, and this is one guy who I – I'm I, think this may be who we're alluding to, but, and this was one that I kind of went back and forth because I had a couple others in mind, but, and there's one guy in mind I would, I would actually think about throwing in here, but it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. But to me, if it wasn't for this guy, a lot of us might not even be watching New Japan to this day. And that is the one, the only, the current reigning AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Kenny Omega. Wow. If you think about it, Bullet Club doesn't really start blowing up until after Kenny has taken over the Bullet Club. Like in terms of like exploding in popularity in the U.S. Yeah, you got, you know, uh, Prince Devitt led, you know, and then AJ Styles. But to me, Kenny Omega took it to the next level when it came to bringing the Bullet Club or getting the Bullet Club over in the States. And if it wasn't, I, I, you guys are giving me these looks here. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I might be ruffling a little feathers, but you know what? This, these are my four pillars. <laughs> your four pillars. These are your mom's four pillars. These ain't your daddy's four pillars. These are my four pillars. Oh boy. Here we go. Yeah, you want to yeah, get them or should I, I get them? Cause I mean, I'm ready I, to, I'm ready to go in. I'm ready to go in. Tag me in. Tag rope. Okay, here we go. All right. So I, I love DDJ that you have three pillars in a kickstand. I think that's fantastic. I really like that. However, 
as I said, I predicted at least two of our picks were all going to be the same. So I'm just going to kick it right off. Number one, first pillar of the modern heaven is Kazuchika Okada. Hands down. I don't think anybody from the longest reigning IWGP champ of all time to headlining Wrestle Kingdom after Wrestle Kingdom. And yes, he had a wonderful dance partner for that in Kenny Omega for, for a couple of them. He also had a fantastic run uh, match with uh, Naito, I believe. Um, I mean, do, can we talk about the Tanahashi feud? So, like, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, and yes, everywhere he goes, he's loved. Look at the first All Out. I mean, he he came out. He had a fantastic match against Marty at All Out. And all oh, excuse me, All In. Sorry, sorry. At All In, and I mean, it was he. How over was he that night? He comes out the rainmaker. Everyone went nuts. Yep, his entrance. His entrance at the Madison Square Garden G One Supercard. That was amazing. Everybody went crazy. He is. He is the current modern face and the flag bearer of New Japan, in my opinion. However, he took that flag bearer title, his predecessor, Tanahashi. I think that's another pick that goes in my pillars because he carried the New Japan flag. Most title reigns, yes. I don't know if it's eight. I can't remember. I was thinking about it. I probably should have Googled it before I said something. I don't care. The truth is <laughs> he's timeless, ageless. He's classic. He is the face of New Japan prior to Okada, and even so still carries that. He has the elder statesman role in New Japan currently. My third pick, since we have the two matching, my third will differ a little bit, and I did hint already at the king of strong style, Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, when I posed this question, I thought this way. I wanted it to be a pillar that may not be in New Japan currently, obviously in WWE. However, built their reputation, built themselves in New Japan. So this is why I, I go with Shinsuke Nakamura. And honestly, if he was more well-known in the States, he's on my list for most entertaining wrestler as well, too. Go mm -hmm. back. You talk, You tell me better entrance than Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 9. How the crowd just loved him. He was just that rock star personality that everyone latched onto. And then when he gets in the ring, when he became the king of strong style, man, everybody wanted to copy what Shinsuke Nakamura was doing. And when he came to WWE, and I will give credit where it's due, his debut in NXT in 2015, 15, right? 15 or 16. It was one of those two. So he had an amazing first match. I can't really think of many debut matches for someone debuting in WWE that went better than Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn oh, at TakeOver. Great. Yeah, Unbelievable. It was the night WrestleMania 32, I believe. What's that? I think it was the night before WrestleMania 32. Yeah. And th it's, to me, stole the weekend. Match of the weekend. Yeah. Um, they let Shinsuke be Shinsuke. 
before he was main rosterized, as I like to refer to it. Um, so he's my third pillar, uh, the rock star. He, he's just amazing to me. Now my fourth, DDJ, I appreciate your fanboying for Kenny Omega. However, <laughs> there is no taking anything to the next level without the Ayatollah himself, Prince Devitt. Prince Devitt, to me, is one of the pillars for a single reason alone. He took, as the leader of the Bullet Club, a brand new faction in New Japan, which we know factions in New Japan are very, very popular. This is why we have, you know, especially modern-day factions are still popular, and really it's because of these warring factions of New Japan. Took a brand new faction, started it, basically the outsiders the nwo of japan the true nwo of japan that's what the bullet club initially began as and we don't have kenny omega taking it to the next level with the bucks and then cody coming in all your other secondary players of course all the elite the guys who are now running the show in AEW. you don't have any of that without prince devitt doing it first we don't have what has only just this year alone been surpassed as the number one selling t-shirt on pro wrestling tees is the bullet club shirt, the bone soldier bullet club shirt. You don't have any of that without Devitt. That was the first time in the modern era of wrestling where you could go and you would walk around and you would see people wearing pro wrestling t-shirts just out in the wild. And you counted them a lot. Not since Austin 316 or DX DX or NWO. Have you seen another major wrestling t-shirt that everybody wants the bootlegs wherever for Christ's sake, Tama Tonga was selling bootlegs himself. Speaking, speaking of a uh, bootleg uh, bullet club shirts, you can get your own uh, shooting club shirt on our <laughs> Teespring store. We'll give the information for that a little bit later. I had to get that in there. And Joe, before you continue, I got two words for you. <laughs> you. <laughs> Carry no, on. Well, sold like a true salesman there. I appreciate that. I love it. Uh, and if it weren't for Prince Devitt, we wouldn't have our bootleg own version shirts either. So that is the truth. That's why I put Devitt, and he made a name for himself. Um, a very, very, very popular superstar in the WWE world right now. And he has been for years, from the Demon character, all the things they've done. Did I hate the name change when he came to NXT? Of course I hated the name change. Prince Devitt is badass. That's the name to keep. But we're in Vince's world. We do as Vince says. So we get a name change all through all that shine through like the star he's always been but that new japan run that he had and just oh man changed the game for everybody with the bullet club brought pro wrestling back to the for forefront in my opinion too so he's my fourth pillar an outsider as the fourth pillar but uh, i couldn't go any other way you, you know what see unlike you i'm not going to all over your uh, fourth pillar there. I'm going to say, I was it? You made a great case for uh, Prince Devitt, and I, I can't argue against that. Jay, what do you got? 
See, for both of y'all, I'm a little, I'm a little blown away. Cause we're we're gonna have some similarities and some disparities, like you know, Joey K said at the beginning of this. That's but what makes the show great, though. We don't all have to be the same. We can be, you know, ourselves, and we, then we yeah. just give each other afterwards. <laughs> hey, like That's I said, true. like I said, I thought, I thought we're probably gonna have two, and so yeah. far, DDJ and I have two of the same, and I really thought that, I, and I knew where that fourth one was going to be, was going to be shifting. And we've already had that too. Yeah. You called it, man. And I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to, um, to carve out the two easy ones, Okada and Tanahashi, a hundred percent. You don't have NJPW at its current iteration without those two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My third. I love the case for Naito. I really did enjoy that. And and the more I think about it, the more it makes me want to put Naito there. Um, you know what? Naito was the first ever double champion. Mm-hmm. Naito with LIJ. They, they're, they're mega storylines. Every time. Hang on. Now. We we have to make this clear to everybody. We don't talk about our answers to questions nope. prior to the show. Very, very few times. I think actually last week was the only time that all three of us in GIF form in our group chat revealed our answers for a question. Yep. Just joking yep. around. But that we don't talk about answers. We let it go. We'll put the questions out there and, you know, we'll throw out some little hints here and there so that's why when yeah a couple teasers to each other like oh get them thinking and who's picking who we never really talk about this though we don't so when i say that i thought we were going to have at least two the third was going to be interchangeable and honestly javon i can probably tell you you are right now debating of taking naito as your third but i also really know who your third is because i felt a third was going to all from us was going to be a Japanese star. I thought there. What a time to freeze. And then there was there was three more. I took Shinsuke, DDJ took Naito, and I can pretty much tell tell me if I'm wrong right now. Your number three, Kota Ibushi. Yes. I no, got no, it. No, I got it. it. It's funny that you mentioned Kota Ibushi because I was this close to making him my fourth. And Naito and Ibushi were both on my list, and I put Shinsuke ahead for what he's done earlier. That's, mm-hmm. I, you know. See, my, my third, <laughs> I'm going to stick with it because, I mean, Naito, I think the drawing power for Naito is L.I.J., Naito without Lij falls flat to me. Okay, I, Koda, I the way Coda was with the Golden Lovers, greatness by himself took it to a whole nother level. Yep, gave in JPW that person to kind of fill in the void from Kenny Omega, that face that people like because you know Kenny Omega whether he was heel or face he was over he was massively over. Mm-hmm. And Coda stepped in like nothing. The man became God in an insanely great match where he beat Okada. So 
Third pillar, Kota Ibushi. <sighs> Number four. <laughs> give it to me. Give it to me, baby. Let's yeah, go. give it to him so he can jump all over you. I cannot, 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 <laughs> for the life of me, place a gaijin, an outsider, in the NJPW four pillars. You look at the four pillars of heaven, the original King's Row. You have Kobashi, Kawada, uh, Tawei, and Misahara. Uh, well, Mizuhara Kawada, uh, Kenta Kobashi, Mizuhara Kawada, uh, what was it? Tawada and Tawei, those four. Mm-hmm. The thing is, those four always, they were interchangeable in all their matches. They put on the best matches with each other. Those four are like your, your key guys. These are your main guys who within themselves had these greatest matches. To me... You're looking at the three pillars I've established already. Okada, Ibushi, great matches. Okada and the Ace, fantastic matches. There's somebody in NJPW who, in my opinion, not only just his work rate, not only with how long he's been there, with his draw to the fans, with the connection that he makes, even when he could show up at a different show, the moment his music hits, people know who he is. And that is the king of pro wrestling himself. Guys, I'm surprised none of y'all said it. Uh, he was on my list, I know. Suzuki. He was. Yep. Come oh, on. man. Here comes the king. Give me Suzuki. Wow. And see, that's what makes this show great because we have such varying opinions like this, but it's just when one person says this, you know, it's like, how did I miss that? Or how did I not think of that? Or man, I feel like I feel like on any day of the week, though, any of our picks are interchangeable. Oh, yeah. Like there there are times where I'll pro- I'll I'll pop in Kenny Omega. There's times where I'll swap out and I'll pop in, you know, Suzuki. I, like, there's time, it, Abushi. Like, any, it just depends. Yeah. Tonight, I just felt like that's my four for my reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think any any single combination that we can come up with. I mean, like I said, two are locks. I don't think any of us would doubt Yeah, I think those, those two. first two that we all named, I, don't, I think mm-hmm. those two are going to be anytime. Like, those two are are, like locked in but i think three and four could always be like you said interchanged yes and that's so okay so that was a a great one definitely like the what that's that you know sparked so the next one here is uh we talked a little earlier about the most entertaining wrestler of all time we all gave some really great picks and made some great cases for that but uh, we're going to kind of shift it a little bit here to uh, the current area a lot of great people that can talk and cut a promo, but if there's a only if you had one person, like you had to choose, who would your pick be for best on the mic in the current era? And when we define the current era basically as anything past the year 2000, just for those of you who are listening and kind of this is what we define as the current era. So 2000 on, um, 
I thought about leading this one off. So you know, but you know what? I'm gonna save this because I don't think either one of you are thinking are gonna pick who I'm thinking. So uh Jay, why don't you lead this one off? All right. Oh, don't kill me. Um <laughs> the only way I feel is you can steal my thunder. Best on the mic in current era. The parameters we set was 2002 and on. To me, there's only been one person with the long enough history of great might work, even given the fact that some of it might have been scripted might work. When it wasn't scripted might work, he still showed that he had the ability to do some amazing things on the microphone. And a big part of this does come from one gimmick and one gimmick alone. I'm not going to lie to you and say that everything he does is great. But one gimmick and one gimmick alone just kind of seals the deal for me. That is basic thugonomics. Give me John Cena. The Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick, when it came out, when he was off the top of the head, was fire promos. He was just rapping, dissing everybody, and it was for real. That came from a place where you believed it. Now, yes, you get into the career and things become a little bit more scripted as we shift to more PG focus. But when John goes off script, you can tell because certain things hit a little bit more. It stings a little bit more. Mm -hmm. He straight up told Roman, you know, you've never been over. That's come on. Hey, how about when uh, he looked at the Usos talking about their look? You look just like your mug shots. Yes. I don't think that was scripted, but I think John's hit the point the same way that The Rock has. When he comes back, he can get away with murder, say whatever he wants. John's at that point, too. And, yeah, you are 100% right on that. That is one of the best shots I had ever heard in WWE, besides the Usos telling Xavier Woods not to get (laughs) X-rated. Again, that's a classic one, too. But, yeah, that's mine, guys. John Cena. (laughs) <laughs> all right so like for it. me i i there there is really maybe three people when this question first you know got discussed um three guys that i thought of and i kind of started thinking about each one and what they did and stuff and to me there's really only one person who's been consistently doing it for Basically, the entire in almost the entire duration of this modern era. Uh, I think about promos he's cut at pay per view events on behalf of his guys and everything. And just, and this is this guy here could sell ice cream to an Eskimo, he could sell, he could sell a, a grill to Satan himself. He could, I mean, he literally could sell anything to anybody. And when I think about the promos he's cut, from the promo he cut at ECW One Night Stand when he told John Bradshaw Layfield that the only reason why you were WWE champion for years because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. (laughs) Oh, oh. I'm throwing a technical foul. Technical foul on the play. It was specifically stated that it must be a wrestler. No, it was best on the. It was the best talker. No, what that you're thinking of a different question. 
Was I really? Yeah. Yeah, that's the over that was uh yeah. So you know what? You can take that flag and shove it up your I will kindly do so. Wow. <laughs> Make sure you shine it up real nice and turn that some bitch sideways first, though. I will turn what? that some bitch sideways and stick it straight up, my candy. I I know what question you're thinking of because we had that short discussion about should we keep it to strictly wrestlers or do we open it up to manager mouthpiece types? That, that was, was what a, the uh, yeah yeah that so, was a different question. That was so the well, question we just discussed about the great most entertaining wrestler of all time. That was yeah that. yeah so. Basically, since you tried to cut me <laughs> off and steal my thunder and you failed miserably, you think about you the miss every shot you don't take, DDJ. What's that? <laughs> you miss every shot you don't take. Well, you missed it. You took the shot and you missed this one too. So, yes, I did. You, you, you were like, you ever remember that episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like early on in the show when Will joined the basketball team and Carlton got jealous? And he oh, stole yeah. the ball at the end of uh. He stole the ball from Will at the end of the episode and tried to do the game when he shot and he like was like twenty feet to the right or whatever. Yeah. That was me with that shot right there. So, so you just Carlton, uh, you just did pull the Carlton right there. So, <laughs> anyways, getting back to the the subject at hand, this guy here, like I said, he talked about you know the, the you know the cutting that little promo on JBL. You know he goes to Edge and's like, I got two words for you, Matt Hardy. <laughs> you know, I mean, he talks about being the advocate for the reigning undisputed defending, you know, Brock Lesnar, but he'd always say it, Brock Lesnar. And now the stuff he does with Roman Reigns. I mean, come on. Is there, in my opinion, there isn't anyone better right now on the mic. It hasn't been anyone better on the mic in the last 20 so years than Paul Heyman. I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. Actually, I can't disagree with either pick you guys have. I can't disagree with Gavon's pick. So, yeah, I mean, you're both correct. Uh, Paulie is, I, and I'm surprised you didn't even go back because last week we talked about factions that deserve more love than they ever got. Yeah, with the whole and, Dangerous Alliance thing. And the Dangerous Alliance, Paulie was the mouthpiece yep. for a collection of guys who were. In their own right, most of them great on the mic. You know, Rick Rude doesn't need a mouthpiece, but having Paulie was money for that. Um, Cena, I mean, we're talking about Doctor Thugonomics here. Like, yep. <laughs> I mean, there's not a there's not many better than that period. And even in the PG era. There was a lot of great stuff and a lot of things that he could get away with. So I, I love that. I love both picks. I think you guys are both great. I'm going to throw it a little sideways, though, on you. Oh. My pick, again, another another wrestler who has actually been competing and active almost this entire time of this era we're talking about, uh, who is finally in my opinion, getting that big national shine that he so greatly deserves currently on the AEW roster. My pick for work in a career that has spanned CZW, Ring of Honor, PWG, TNA, Impact, is none other than the Mad King, Eddie Kingston. 
That's a really good one. If you guys want to talk about, actually, I, I was at Dynamite and Rampage this week. My shirt of choice was my Eddie Kingston shirt. Was it the I, Redeem These Nuts one? No, somebody else <laughs> was wearing it, though, in my section, which I got a kick out of. Uh, no, I was rocking the Mad King shirt, which I love very much. Um, and unfortunately, he wasn't there. <laughs> I was a little disappointed in that. But uh, in his career, you guys tell me another wrestler who brings as much realism and much that much passion into what they're speaking about as much as I can agree with both of your picks. Do either of them inspire me to go? I got your back, brother. We're in this fight together. Then Eddie Kingston, that's the type of promo that he cuts. Um, And I think the world really got to see it when he came out on the TNT challenge in AEW. Mm-hmm. came out and cut that promo on Cody and Arn. And <laughs> what did he say to Arn? On oh, my mother's eyes. I'll come in here. And I just was like, thank you. Thank you, Tony Khan, for bringing in Eddie Kingston because that's what people need to hear. Um, I know you just said to redeem these nuts, which is what most people will remember from that feud. Uh, that that uh, that was what the the show right before, right before. All Out, right? Yeah, like, correct. It was the the night of Rampage right before All Out. So most people remember that. But go back and watch the promo package videos from the Dynamite before when they're kind of doing like the the vignettes, the those promos. Please listen to Eddie Kingston speak. Yeah, amazing. Go back to look with him working with LAX. And that feud with the original X in in uh, Impact. Yep, amazing. Talk about a mouthpiece, and and putting them in in the same feud with Santana Ortiz. Like this is, come on now, come on now. Like it, there was a lot of good stuff happening there. The CZW days. The I NWA, don't care when he was NWA, in the NWA. NWA. I know. I was. Is. I was trying. I was trying to like kick through some like major names like you know yeah. and i'm like i knew i was missing a couple in there the nwa chikara has worked with chikara like so many good things the man's been cutting the most passionate promos of the last 20 years in professional wrestling and i'm very thankful that he gets the platform he does having that national exposure wednesday nights on tnt friday nights on tnt soon to be tbs or wait did i get that flipped yeah, Friday yeah, okay. night TNT. Friday night's night, gonna be TNT. Wednesday. Wednesday night's, Wednesday night's gonna, gonna be TBS, TBS. starting yeah. January fifth. So, I, I love I, I and like I said, I I can't agree more with both your picks. I just go on the side of I love having that a guy that inspires me to be like that's my brother. I'm gonna go fight mm-hmm. side by side with him. And the icing on the cake. I know we're talking. This is promo work. This is you know best on the mic right now. But is there anyone? In professional wrestling, that we uh, and we just spoke about this, that embodies what the four, the original four pillars of heaven brought. No one does. No one in modern wrestling does. Gear is Kawada, and he wears Masawa during big matches. Thank you. I mean, and look at his moves. Look at his move sets. I mean, you want to talk about a strong style? He's got it. 
yeah, the the the, cho- the chops. There's so many callbacks yep. to 1990s all Japan wrestling in his style. There's no better flag bearer for that era than right. Eddie Kingston. And then couple that with what he does on the mic to me, I, I couldn't. Look, I, I'm gonna hijack this one here. Tag me in. Tag. Let's go. Bam. Eddie Kingston, man. Um, hell of a pick. Hell of a pick. I will say this. If you haven't seen some of this promo work from Chikara, go do it. Mm-hmm. There's a promo in Chikara when they were doing the anniversary show. Kingston was going after the main title. And it was one of those deals where they're like, it's, you know, now or never, this is his last chance. He cuts a scathing promo on the whole locker room. And the key points of it is I'm tired of making stars. Unbelievably great promo. Just uh, un- unreal. And, and one of the things so, that I when I was thinking about when you're talking about, you know, Kingston, the promo work that he did after uh, Revolution this year with the whole debacle with the ring exploding, I think he did a great job in kind of covering that up. And because really now nobody ever talks about that anymore. Like you don't hear anything about it anymore. And I think a large part of that is due to the pro- the mic work. And the promos that Eddie Kingston cut in the mm-hmm. subsequent episodes after that. So that's a great, that's the first thing I thought of when you were, you brought up Eddie Kingston. And I thought about just how great of a job he did and kind of diverting everyone's attention away from what happened in that, uh, that match at revolution. And I'll give you another look in man to Eddie Kingston. Cause I've, I've personally had the opportunity to speak to Eddie Kingston. Um, you know, in a private setting and a public setting as well. Mm-hmm. And what you see is what you get. Eddie Kingston oh, yeah. on yeah. camera in front of everybody is the same person as Eddie Kingston when you're behind cameras and you're just talking to him. It's the same person. There's no difference. Put put it into a point this way. I was we were supposed to have a kind of meet and greet with Kingston once. It was supposed to be virtual, but he was having internet issues. And I got a call from Kingston and I'm talking to him and you know, just straight up. Man, I don't know what the hell is wrong with my my damn internet. I don't. We don't live in the hood no more, but we can't get good internet out here. Maybe <laughs> it's my iPad. It's too old. I, I'll give you a guy's call back when I go to my girlfriend's house. She's got a nice computer. We'll do it there. But just honest guy, man. Mm-hmm. And he holds nothing back. And you get a hundred and ten percent Kingston all the time. And I think that's why, like Joey K was saying, it's so genuine, and you believe it, and you buy into it. Because that Eddie Kingston persona, from his words alone, Eddie says, that's me when I was 17, when I thought people didn't care about me. So he gets into that mindset. He's going back to that well. He's drawing from it, and people buy into it because those are real feelings. That's not bullshit. Speaking of which, when he did do the virtual meet and greet is when I got to speak to him on a public setting. I have my I have my son with me and everything, and my son when he freaked out on camera, it was hilarious. And Eddie's like, "Oh, oh!" <laughs> he got real serious with him. But you know, and I, this is actually you talking about your little man. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting here. He's pretty cool for a while, and then he's looking at Eddie and just freaked out. He's like, "Ah, it was great." <laughs> and uh, Eddie got a kick out of it, which is really super cool. Um, but my my specifically what I what I spoke to him about, and what I asked him about, was his promo work. And he, I, I brought up to him that, like, you know, personally, I feel he brings this sense of realism 
this real like you know you want to talk about the, the the suspension of disbelief as they call it with professional wrestling that's real what he says is real and I, and I asked him about that and the influence of music and the music he listens to and lyrics because you'll hear promos and i'll i'll hear i'll hear dmx lyrics okay. i'll hear stuff and and he says it he pulls it straight from there his his musical tastes do vary and they're out in the open but he hears something he likes he hears something that he can get into and then he pulls that and he relates it back to that 17 year old kid like javon just said he gets all that together and i think that is such a lost art um in professional wrestling you know this this, a lot of this era we're talking about here guys and i think you'll agree with me especially we've already spoke about it is the scripted era of promos right so in this scripted era that we have you know, you got to be PG. You have to be very PC as well. You have to, we don't, don't use these words. This is the band word list. This you is know, the band words. And, and that, that's the era we're, we're talking about a little bit. So for a guy to break through with something real, and that's why when Scenic first burst on, that's why he was so real. That's why Paulie, Paulie's got the pull. He can get away and say a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think, what was it? When Paulie, when he, he talks about, he did a that one interview, and um, he was talking about how he was supposed to go out and just bury Vince McMahon in a promo. Mm-hmm. And he said, Vince, do you, do you want me to tell you what I'm going to say? No, pal. Go make me money. And that's what – you you sure you don't want me to hear, hear what I'm going to say? Because I'm going to – nope. Make me money. Okay. And off to the races. And that's from Paulie. And he went out there, and he – buried Vince for sports entertainment and not professional wrestling. And that right there, I I love it. That realism, you bring it in. And that's why I go with Eddie Kingston because I get that realism. That's the dude. That's my guy. That's the guy I grew up in the hood with down the street that I'm like, yo, Eddie's got a problem, bro. We all got a problem. We're going. And that, I love that. So I can get into it. And that to me, that's what promo work is. And there's very few that carry that torch because we're finally coming away from that scripted era of WWE where guys in like AEW, guys who are in NWA, guys who are in Ring of Honor can get the passion, can speak from the heart. You don't have to worry about what words you're not allowed to say on television all the time anymore. You know, we're getting away from that era that I love. I And I, honestly, I, I'm surprised and probably just because of how young I, I thought one of us might have MJF on our list. I know he's at he's he's to me he's near the top because yeah. that's a guy who cuts a promo and knows how to get the right kind of heat. You know, yeah. you, you're with, with the whole thing with MJF. We talked about how, like, say, you know, 30, 40 years from now, we could be talking about so and so being on, you know, like the four pillars thing. If we, if again, if we're doing this show 20, 30 years from now, we and we revisit this question. We could easily see MJ West talking about MJF at this point in time. He's he's got so many years ahead of him. It's like I said, it's just we're talking about guys that are way more yeah. established and been around longer. But yeah, 20, 30 years from now, easily could be MJF. So I we mean, truth, if we hey, if we cut this question down to like the best the best promo work in the past two years, you know, and we narrow it down to like the past two years, let's say the AEW era, since AEW has been around. MJF is in the discussion, hands down. I think basically, if we were like I said, you could put him out. I think Eddie Kingston would still be 
in this. And if you're talking basically the the AEW area, but you're including everything else, you can include Paul Heyman. Like that, that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. we're not talking about just guys that were, you know, in yeah. the early 2000s. These guys are still relevant today. And like you said, we could easily have these same answers, you know. Even John Cena to a certain extent, although he's I, not there that much hey, anymore. I, I would say that when he came back for this program against Roman. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. is you got real John Cena. And I love that. And that's and that is the testament. We absolutely. we we just brought up three guys who have been heavily involved in the world of professional wrestling for the last 20 years. Right. Some longer, but yes. So that alone, yeah, that's why I said if you narrow this down and say let's go only go back the past two to three years, any one of our picks could be in the top three, but I would put MJF in the running for that as well too. But MJF, I look forward more to the future with MJF. Yes, absolutely. In in five years, I mean, in five years we revisit this question and we're probably all going to be like, MJF is just money. I cannot wait for his first title reign because oh my god, Earth when he gets the title, (laughs) absolutely. So, so we got two more. We got two more topics here, and uh, we debuted this uh, this next segment. We're going to do. We debuted this last week, and it got some pretty good discussion, you know, amongst us, amongst the shooters out there that listen to the show. And again, thank you for all of you that stuck around after uh, last last week's we're sorry, really sorry episode. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, yeah, <laughs> so it gets better. So, ladies and gentlemen, underrated, overrated. All right, it's that time for underrated and overrated. And uh, on this one, we are going to be uh, talking about uh, some, we're gonna be talking about something that I think doesn't really get a lot of love or talk these days. We always talk about like you know best on the mic, best wrestling matches, stuff like that. But we don't really talk a whole lot about uh, big men, like you know, because you know big men have always dominated the world of professional wrestling back in their early days of you know, uh, Gotch and Hackenschmidt with to uh, Bruno and Billy Graham to Hogan to you know to Brock Lesnar and all that. So, but uh. There's always, anytime you talk about anything in the world of wrestling, there's always people that see someone as being overrated, and then there's people that see someone as being underrated. And on this one, uh, guys, let's get right into it. And uh, underrated, overrated, uh, this time we're going to be talking about big men. And, Joe, this was your idea. You're the one that brought this up. So why don't you go ahead and lead us off with this? Let's do the, uh, let's do, uh, go ahead with your underrated. I will kick off underrated. So, um, for me, this question, <clears throat> and the reason I brought it up too, I think there's a misconception, and I, and like I'll, I'll I wanted to wait till we got to the question to explain to you guys. So I went with this question as um, some of what I saw uh, this week in Dynamite and what I've been watching current product on TV. You know, we are in living in the times where size does not matter anymore. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about the golden era, the bigger the better. You wanted larger than life superhero comic book character looking <laughs> looking gentleman. Not Keep so much clean, Jovan. <laughs> Jovan's ready to drop a blue chew ad on me any second now. So I'm just um, waiting. <laughs> uh so so I, I, I take the idea of big men, and I'm not just gonna talk about giants. I'm not just gonna talk about, you know, a guy who obviously, you know, and this isn't a pick or anything, but like an Andre the Giant. 
who is a once in a lifetime type guy, but big men in general. I'm talking large, muscular, heavier guys, over 275 pounds. You know, big, meaty men slapping meat in the ring. So I open that up. So big for big men over it can be a giant. It can be just a larger than life athlete uh, person. But Rapmaster PN News, uh, if if he ever got his sneakers back that were stolen in that airport that he cried over, I mean he might make the list. <laughs> um, look that story up for anybody who doesn't know it. It's pretty funny. But uh, it was a European tour. Um, anyhow. So my un- my underrated, I'm actually going absolute current modern right now. Because um, this question is all time, by the way. But uh, underrated because of, A, the family he comes from. Mm. Underrated, B, because of the company he works for. Mm. And C, underrated because, in my opinion, he is the one true tribal chief jacob fatu is my pick for most underrated oh, big man right now oh that's wow. a good one i look and um and, and this came up too because i just finally and i didn't want spoilers i didn't watch it last weekend kick myself in the rear for that but uh thursday night they aired the mlw fight land uh oh, that was our special yep. and we got hammerstone versus fought two champion versus champion which has been a very big build getting to that uh so i i loved it it was a great match two very big honestly hammerstone another underrated big man just because he is not he's not the 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 typical one in there and javon just flipped me off so obviously i know who his pick was now and that wasn't mine but sorry, I'll let you. I'll let you go. I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, Jovan. I'll let you go with that. But nope. Uh, I'm picking someone else. Jake, <laughs> Jacob Fatu <laughs> is my guy. Underrated because he is part of the Samoan dynasty. He is part of the Anoy family. Who you know, obviously, most famously, the Rock from that family. Roman Reigns, obviously, Rikishi. You have you have uh, the Usos. You have so many legends out of this family. You have Nina, you have uh, yeah. Nia Jax. Exactly. Um, I, the next generation. How about Simone, the Rock's daughter? She signed with NXT. She's training down there. You got. You also got. I believe the Usos' younger brother just signed with uh, NXT. Yes, he did. Yep. So you have you have so many members of the family. But to me, as an underrated big man, the things that I watch Jacob Fatu do, how he moves in the ring is borderline terrifying to know that there are human beings that are built that large, that strong, that powerful, that have no problem with beating wholesale ass, whether you're in the match or you're a fan that oversteps your bounds. Please, please, somebody look up the clip of him beating that fan's ass at a show ringside. That's a terrifying human being. And large men shouldn't be able to move the way he does and it's amazing to watch i feel he's underrated because he's in mlw he's in a company that doesn't get the love and the adoration that they probably deserve because honestly mlw shows are fantastic they're amazing i've been to like two of them i mean uh, going live i'll even watching on pay-per-view you know you can get them on fight you you can order them up. They're not super expensive shows to watch, but they deliver. 
Fatu, though, uh, carried the title for one of the longest reigns in MLW. I don't know if it is the longest, but uh, through the pandemic, it is. Was it the longest? Did they say that? I want to say it was. I wasn't 100 percent sure, but because it was what about almost two years? I or over two years, I believe he held the, the title. Yeah. To, it, it was over 500 days. I remember yeah, that. Him and Contra. But, I think he wanted the, the, I think it was a show. It was uh, back in, because I know I was at the show when he beat Lawler for the belt. And I want to say, I think that was the July, uh, I think it was July 6, 2019. And I only remember yeah. it because it was like two days after my uh, my dad passed away. And I went yeah. to the MLW show that was in Cicero, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically, you know, outside, right outside of Chicago. And I believe that was where Fatu won the title when he beat Law- Tom Lawler. Yeah. So you're, you're talking almost I mean, years. So he he's ca- talk about a guy who carries a flag for his company, has been the heavyweight champ for two plus years through the pandemic era that we just came or that are that we came through and that we're still pretty much in. But mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely underrated for what that man can do in the ring. Uh, he tells a great story in his wrestling. You can tell he just he carries the he carries that lineage that he has but he adds his own take to it. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I would never picture guys that look like the wild Samoans diving over the top rope and doing corkscrews and things like that. And it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. So that's my underrated. Yeah. I was going to say, and then if you want to get into your overrate, or if you want us to all go through, you know, we do our underrates and we go back and do overrate. But one of the things, and I just thought about this, because you talked about like, you know, a savage Samoan, I believe he was known known as the Samoan savage, but like doing the things he does to me, it's almost like he's a combination of the old school Samoan wrestler and the new school Samoan wrestler. And he's that wild, like, you know, like Afa and Sika, but at the same time, he's also, like you said, you know, he's, the Rikishi, the Roman Reigns, the Usos, you know, with the stuff he does now. So I think he's mm-hmm. that perfect blend, you know, of, you know, and you also go back to the, you know, the, the savages, you throw in Umaga, you know, and stuff. And, and I think he's, I think he's, I think he's probably about as close to Umaga in terms of the type of person, he character he is than almost anybody else. And but but, but mix in with Jimmy and Jay because yeah. he can do the high spots. He can do the high flying. He can do the dives. He did a Van Terminator on uh, on on Hammerstone. Exactly. Yep. I and mean, the things that he does. Yeah, he carries that old school Samoan tradition. But what he does in the ring compared to modern work is like, oh my god, I didn't expect that. I didn't think I was going to see that out of somebody that size and that body type, that style. To me, that's that's my hands down underrated right now. Uh, and that really is the the past. I would say like the past four or five matches I've watched with Jacob Fatu. Every time I'm like, oh my god, at least twice a match. Oh my god, I can't believe. And, and if you haven't seen Jacob Fatu lately, he like compared to how he was a couple years ago, he's really slimmed down. Like he's gotten leaner. Yeah. He's gotten into just he is just um, in amazing shape. Uh, and Jay, he, who do you, Jay, yeah, who and he's still know? cooking probably around <clears throat> three hundred pounds or so. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, Jay, perfect time for your Bluetooth promo. The only kind of big man slapping meat that you want to have, Joey K, is the one that really does matter. So for all of our shooters out there, if you want to be the big kind of slapping meat guy that Joey K likes, you need to go ahead and chew it and do it with Blue Chew. 
Make sure that your 300 pounds can get up and at them when it's time to go. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, who's your uh, who's your underrated, Jay? My underrated was Alexander Hamilstone. If you don't know Hammerstone, you need to watch him. Great guy on MLW. Doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Uh, a lot of people Great. say he's the second coming of Hulk Hogan, which I don't agree with. He is 100 times better than Hogan was just because of the body size, the style of wrestling that he does. So maybe, you know, he wore red and yellow a few times. People are like, oh, it's Hogan. Get over yourself. No, it's not. Um, but since Joey K decided to throw in Hammerstone with his Fatu pick. Well, hey, I didn't really want to throw it. It just happened to pop up because that was the match I just watched. Yeah, it was it just on uh, the other night. So you must have taken your blue chew because it just happened to pop up. But anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give you another underrated big man. And this big man doesn't get enough credit for what he's done, not only in the industry of wrestling, but when you think about this big man being an Olympic wrestler, in real life, this guy wrestled Yoel Romero, a UFC middleweight contender. I'm talking about the man from the island of Guam, the one and only Jeff Cobb. Love it. Love it. Guys, I don't know if the reason is because maybe he, you know, worked a majority of his career under a mask for Lucha Underground. People don't equate him for being Matanza Cuerdo. But Jeff Cobb's moveset, Jeff Cobb's, you know, just way in the ring is unbelievably great. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. And hopefully, hopefully, MLW catches steam. Hopefully, NJPW catches steam. Because I feel like Jeff Cobb may show up in MLW one day, but in JPW, they need to get him on strong. Let the U.S. citizen see Cobb where he deserves to be seen. You talk about guys uh, from New Japan yeah. showing up on MLW. It was just recently announced on the, <laughs> on, uh, the MLW Fightland special that uh, one Will Ospreay is going to be uh, mm-hmm. coming to MLW. So that ought which to be is, interesting. Which is why I said his heater might come with him. That could be. Hey, let me let me throw something in here and piggyback on that, too. Um Cobb could easily be my one B pick because I love, I've been a fan of Jeff Cobb for years. Mm-hmm. I met him um, a couple years ago at ring of honor show. The coolest dude, the coolest dude. In I've heard that about him. So, so great. So good. I, I mean, I have nothing but amazing things to say. His in ring work has gotten so much better too. Oh, I yeah. mean, Especially now, brute strength monster. If we're what if you are currently not watching the G1 right now with what's happening and Cobb tearing through the bracket, please do yourself a favor. As of this recording, I believe what he's at 10 points now. Yep. Um, yeah, let that man do work, let him do damage, and I want to see him. So bad. Win the G1. Go on to Wrestle Kingdom. He deserves a spot in there. That's a guy who puts the work in. That's a guy who is absolutely severely underrated. I can agree wholeheartedly 110%. In fact, so much so that next show, I will be wearing my all day I dream about suplexes Jeff Cobb shirt. So. All right, well, that is a great, great uh, pick. And apologies for uh, my son dropping off. Uh, 
I had an issue with my webcam that just kind of all of a sudden decided that it was no longer connected. So my internet was still working. I'm like Mr. Jovan's there. So, uh, so yeah. So did he freeze again? No. Okay. <laughs> He's just making it now. We used to do that all the time. Yeah, I remember those days and stuff. So. But uh, for me, you guys, great picks, you know, with uh, with Fatu, with Hammerstone, and even throwing in the Jeff Cobb there. For, for me, when I always think of underrated, I always think of someone who I thought was amazing and pioneering a bit ahead of his or her time, you know, that doesn't get love. And my pick for underrated big man is no exception. This was really, I think, the first, like, big man to really be able to do, like, the high-flying things, like doing the moon salts, the cartwheels, things like that. Oh, I know who you're going to pick. I can feel it. I can yeah. feel it already. Go on. Uh, I'm going to sit there and say this guy was uh, pretty big in Japan at one point in the late 80s, early 90s. But even before that, he was uh, he had tours of duty in the NWA as well as the WWF in the uh, mid the mid 1980s. In fact, I believe he had a little bit of a main event run alongside Hulk Hogan, you know, in late 87, you know, early 1988. But then, you know, he also come back uh, main evented WrestleMania one time, uh, WrestleMania 11 against uh, NFL Hall of Famer Lawrence Taylor. I'm going with Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm-hmm. I man, great pick. Because just because it's just he's another one of those guys that really doesn't give the lo- the love that he deserves. Because I mean, he again, he was doing like these high flying big man things before anybody else was. I mean, he was doing you know the cartwheels in the ring, you know the show off to the crowd. He was doing like the moon salt. You know, he had the flying headbutt and stuff. And I mean, it's just this guy was yeah he was like three you know 350 almost 400 pounds but he didn't move like that in the ring especially when he like during his run or first run in the wwf and i mean it's just and yeah yeah i i if you guys are watching on uh, youtube and for those of you 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 saw the who jovan was alluding to thought i was going to go with and those of you who are listening to this and know on apple or spotify or wherever you get your podcast from first off regardless mm-hmm. of wherever you're wa- watching the show from or listening to the show from thank you um but uh, Javon had met, brought, you know, was doing the little, you know, and that was the, the symbol for Vader, who's someone that I actually also thought about with this as well, too, because he was also that. But, I mean, it's just to me, Bam Bam Bigelow was like like a guy who just really just it just deserved so much more than he got. And we talk about his stuff that he did in the WWF and the NWA. He had a tremendous run of a couple years in ECW where he, you know, won the ECW world title. I believe he, you know, he won the, uh, the ECW television title. He was the guy that, uh, triple threat, baby. Huh? Triple threat, baby. Yeah. The triple threat. You know, he was part of that history that, that one of like the first real big, you know, Oh my God moments when he dropped Taz through the ring and then they did that rematch and he dropped him through the entry stage and stuff. And it's just, I mean, it's just this guy was so revolutionary for a guy his size to be able to do the things he was. And it's just, yeah, for me, uh, there really isn't an under any more of an underrated big man than Bam Bam Bigelow. So, uh, Joey, let's go to uh, we let's go to the opposite direction. Let's talk about who do you think is the most <sighs> overrated big man. And I think you had a, a warned us 
Now you were going to probably ruffle some feathers with this. So well, ruffle away. Oh, I know. I know the DDJ household is going to be up in arms very soon. Oh no. For me. Overrated big man is absolutely hands down someone who I just never was into. I think he gets way more credit than anyone else. Uh, or then, excuse me, way more credit than he, he really deserves. And just based on his size alone. And I am going with Mr. No More BS himself, Paul White. I think the big show, Paul White, is the most overrated big man of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, open auditions for Joey's replacement will begin. Uh, <laughs> will begin. The, will begin tomorrow. I knew. I knew my pick would soil the good name of this show. Just like my hot takes that no one wants to hear from last week. However, I will say this. Let's be honest. If he didn't have the size, he wouldn't have anything. I don't think the charisma is there. I don't think the mic work was ever as good as his contemporaries. When you put it in the era when he came around, as far as big men on a microphone, I'm not even a huge fan of somebody like Kevin Nash, but I put Kevin Nash years ahead of what the big show was doing. I'll go with you there. Like I So, and I, and I don't think it caught up. I mean, it did. He got better. I mean, naturally, you keep doing something, you will get better on but it never got to the point where I would be invested. And he's, he was a company guy. I will give him that. But when you go heel face, heel face, heel face, all back and forth, I have no vested interest in you. I don't have enough of your character. I don't have enough that I want. And for sheer size. Yeah. I mean, outside of a guy like Andre, the giant, which uh, let's go back. The giant was built. They brought him in to hint that it's Andre's son. I mean, that was how he came and broke into the business when WCW brought him in and he was greener than goose shit. Let's be honest. And he did not have a lot of great matches in WCW. He was really learning by the time he got broke through. That was the St. Valentine's day massacre. When uh, he threw Austin through the cage and that's how Austin won the cage match. That was his big surprise debut um, in the aspect of history. A huge get for the WWF at that time, because at that point it was really who's leaving WWF and going to WCW. Who's going to jump into the NWO? That's what everyone was talking about. So to have a guy like the Big Show come in and kind of steal that thunder back a little bit was good. And, and it was great and it worked. But I beg you to go back to that era and watch how flat it fell in the following weeks from his giant debut. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. It did. It really did. I had no interest beyond his debut in the WWF. That was the only thing that he did to me or did for me. That was like, Oh, I'm interested in this. And then it all just went downhill. I think he's overrated. Always have always will. Can't change my opinion on that one. Nor would I want to. I, I, you know, I, 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 you made a case for it. And I've always been a firm believer in, 
you are entitled to your opinion and you have a right to your opinion. Nobody can ever call your say your opinion is wrong, although there are some people out there that like to think that they can. <laughs> Very but, true. Uh, you know, I don't agree with it. No, but, no, I know. Because again, you know, I had a really, and I, again, I'm a little bit biased because, you know, I just recently got a chance to meet, you know, Paul White mm-hmm. and just had an amazing experience with right. him and stuff. But I mean, you made your point. What, heck what are you doing? Huh? You're not muted. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so, but yeah, no, you made a, you made a, you made, you made a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a very, a, you know, well articulated argument, and I will never sit there and, you know, to, to you know, be. You oh, know, I know. That, we so. we look. Hey, for everybody listening, everybody watching, we do this all in fun. I think a lot of us, you know, as far as the three of us go, I think there are so many times where our opinions line up. And then there's sometimes where our opinions are so drastically different. We have to take those shots and jabs at each other because it's, it's humorous. I mean, we could each give you a top 10 right now, everybody who's listening, a top 10 of anything. And I'd be willing to bet six or seven of our picks would all line up. I mean, fairly easy. We, we know what each other and we lean certain ways. We lean certain styles, things that we enjoy. But overall, I think we enjoy a lot of the same things. We're fans of the same things. Um, And I think one of the the dynamic aspects of our show is we get to kind of um, build those arguments for what we enjoy. You know, underrated big men we just talked about. There's a case for everyone that we talked about. And honestly, three of my all-time favorites, too. So I could have thrown in Bam Bam. Because he was that the guy doing those things before anybody else, and yeah, I know. Hey, when, when DDJ said moonsault, my mind went okay, Vader. But then he said cartwheel, and I was like, mm, that sounds like Bam Bam, and that's why I thought he was going that way. Um, you know, we we all have that same train of thought. So sometimes, like last week, when we varied of who the better heart was, you know, and we have a good uh, throwdown oh. on it, and <laughs> and here we go again. Uh, no, we want people to listen to this episode, so we can't talk about that anymore. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like we have these varying opinions and we'll throw out facts to back our cases up and I love it. So it's all in good fun. We, I think, I think more, more times out of, out of anything, we agree with each other. So we really dig the shots in when we, when we don't just just for the fun of it. And and this is going to be the case here, DDJ. I'm sorry. You're going to have to look for two hosts because to quote the rock, there's only one person who is an overrated big man that comes to mind immediately. And he is seven foot, 500 pounds of grade A monkey. Ah, <laughs> uh, the beeper. Hold on. <laughs> fail. Hold on. No, no, you. I didn't fail you. You guys failed me. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Go ahead. Seven foot tall, five hundred pounds of grade A monkey. It's actually to quote to quote the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, even I gotta admit that was funny when we used to do that. It was great. How many One of the best promos go. ever. Best of rock promos did that make every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Or or if we're talking about this kind of stuff, or when Scott Hall would do the chokes, and then he would go. (laughs) 
I, I popped for that too. I popped for that, not gonna lie. Uh classics. Uh, and, and just so you know, we're being fair across the board. It wasn't just because he was a face one day, heel the next day, face on Raw, heel on SmackDown, face on the pay-per-view, heel on Velocity or Heat afterwards. It, it's not that. It's not just that. It's not that he showed up with the bad ponytail because I could let that go. I mean, we let plenty of other people with bad ponytails. I'm looking at you. Uh, you know who you are. We don't really talk about you right now because you're in Heat. But uh, <laughs> Innovator of Violence. Horrible double ponytails. We let ponytails go. But what I can't let go is he was so big. It was supposed to be such the big deal that he fell flat. He debuts like Joey K said. It's the giant. Who? Why do we care? You're interfering with an Austin match? Okay, yeah, you rip the cage off, he falls onto the floor, he wins. You didn't even do your job. Then, I mean, Big Show's most noted in the WWE for getting cut down by The Rock. The Rock had his way with Big Show every single time he could. Not only the... Not only the 7 foot, 500 pounds, but when he went bald, The Rock gave him the business then too. So there's just highlight reels of people digging at The Big Show. And for somebody his size and the attraction that he was, you would have thought he would have been a little bit more of a champion contender than what he was. But he never really realized the championship front. I mean, Jericho was good. Uh, Most of his title range just felt like placeholders. I don't really think that he was ever a legitimate champion. Maybe when he came back and he was doing his WMD, you know, that punch that'll knock you out with one hit, but then the first guy who pretty much kicked out of that ruined that whole gimmick because that punch doesn't really have the same effect anymore. Then, you know, your whole gimmick becomes you're just one punch, and then you're crying on TV. They're making you look like a wimp. I don't know, man. I'm sorry. Big show. Time out. Oh, here we go. Rap. I'm going to throw a rapid fire out there. Based on something you just said, and it, it, made, me, it made me really think about this. So I'm going to switch gears here and not just talk about big men. I'm going to talk about specifically giants. So we know we have a very a much smaller category because the big show does. Paul White does fit into the giant category. All right. So rapid fire. DDJ does a giant in professional wrestling need a title? Yes or no? No. Javon, does a giant in professional wrestling need a title? I think he fell asleep. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Man, we got some connection issues tonight, brother. It didn't start until after midnight. So so my, so my take on that is I, I get your point about the titles, but I put him in that category. Andre never needed the belt. I was just going to say Andre never right. needed one. Um, because he Andre was there for the one. True. I, and so I do see your point, but I just wanted to bring that up because I always look at, I do put show in that. There's a lot of things I'll go against and why I think he's overrated. I'll hold back on the title aspect of it just because they are there, just that they're the attraction. There's not a lot of human beings walking the earth that are that size, let alone, can do a lot of the athletic things that they can do. And I'll never discredit that. I think the big show is very talented at what he did. 
but it just Somebody didn't work for me. Back. I'm not walking it back. It never <laughs> worked for me. I'm, I, I, look, I, 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 I want. I, I try not to say this, and I don't want to say. I don't want to call people out. And I, I, I'm not a wrestler. I'm not in the ring. I don't train that way or anything like that. So I can't sit there and say anybody's. Oh yeah, that's trash. I, 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 everything he does stinks. Every, you know. I always try to refrain from that, and I don't want to say that because everybody who gets in the ring has ability. They take the bumps. They put themselves at risk for our entertainment. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, fair so enough. I think it's a fair point to say. You know, uh, if I say it, I'm typically saying out of a joking manner. But uh, no, I I don't think he really had the set. I, I, this the skill set compared to other giants or big men. You know, let's 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 talk about Giant Baba. We've been talking about all Japan anyway tonight. I mean, Giant Baba, Baba booked himself really well. He did book himself really well. And that's what happens when you run the company. But at the same time, though, um, Baba was never a guy that needed. And see, now we're getting away from. We're probably people are going to be like, "Who the hell's Giant Baba?" Run which is really fun. Issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they're like they're making things up now. You know, Giant Baba though, he was never like physically wise. Like he he was the attraction. He and he yeah. knew that. And a lot of all Japan was built. But then we then we just sat there and talked about the four pillars. And these legends of all Japan that were not Giant Baba, and they didn't look like him. So you know, yeah. did he book himself really well? Yeah, he did. It's a mix, but he he never needed a belt either. He never really needed a title because he was always an attraction. When people talk about Giant Baba back in the day, they're, oh wow, Baba's so, this, Baba's so, that. So, like, so for Big Show, let's hit this rapid fire real quick. Okay, did the attraction aspect of it? Because he was built one half attraction, one half actual every week wrestler. The attraction aspect does it kind of hurt him being that serious big man? Because you can't tell me the everyday worker and then the same guy who fights Floyd Mayweather is going to be the same type of work. DDJ, go for it. Run that by me one more time, Javon. So the attraction aspect of the big show, does that hurt his actual stock? Because, I mean, we're talking about him being overrated. I am, and Joey K is. But that's because he was a weekly wrestler. He was an actual – he was one of the guys in the back every single week. But he was also that attraction they threw out there, a la the Floyd Mayweather fight. So did his attraction parts – take away and maybe make him seem a little bit more overrated than what he actually was. Yeah, I I guess in that aspect, the way you explained it, because I was thinking, okay, you know, Brock Lesnar's built as a special attraction. Does that hurt him? No, but he's not a weekly wrestler, say like the big show was and stuff. So he actually, when you kind of said that in, yeah, I I think that does. I mean, if he showed up every once in a while, like a la Brock Lesnar or, you know, something like that, or, you know, he wasn't billed as like a special attraction. He just was this big guy, like, you know, like, you know, Kevin Nash or whatever, you know, big cast or whatever um, and stuff. It, I would say then, yeah, maybe he might be viewed. He, he might actually be viewed a little bit differently if he wasn't always billed as an attraction and stuff. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see that, you know, being and having an impact. And I'll go 100%. Yeah, it had an impact because the skill set didn't 
manifest to a weekly wrestler. And also, mm-hmm. let's be real, he was in an era of weekly wrestling. He would he debuted in the Monday Night Wars. Yep. Okay, so he was part he was absolutely part of that. He was he but the attraction of having a seven foot five hundred pound man in the ring the and this is this is why you a lot of people throw these comparisons out there to oh well big show and andre are in the same category no they're not they're really not and the reason to me they're not is because you have two completely different eras you have the attraction era you have the territory era where you know oh andre comes around once a year he's not there every monday night Mm -hmm. for two to three hour episode of raw or nitro so that's different i'll even throw the question deeper would andre be overrated if he were in a different era say the same era that the big show came up in because then you now you have that aspect absolutely because he would have been exposed right would have been exposed you have you yeah, have that you lose the attraction. Question. Yeah, we got real deep on this, like this, but you have that attraction, and you take you take the attraction part aside, and you just go on basic skill, and and look, and I don't think in Andre's case especially, it's no fault of his own because with Andre, his body deteriorated at a rapid rate, mm-hmm. and he couldn't do what he did, but. I would beg anyone to go back and watch real the older Andre stuff. Absolutely, seventies. Yeah. Andre could move. Andre wasn't the same size he was when we think about getting slammed by Hogan at Mania Three. Right when he had to wear a back brace in the ring at Mania Three for that. Yeah. Um, they they made a big point of that on the uh, the WWE Hidden Treasure Show or whatever when they were looking for memorabilia things for the warehouse that type of stuff. Mm. Um. He wore a back brace for that match. He couldn't move. He couldn't do it. Like physically, his body deteriorated so much. So yeah, I, I mean that I, that's that's a question I pose for any real true giant. You know, the attraction, the attract. You take the attraction aspect away, and on a week to week wrestler, I don't, I don't think the giant era would work any time currently. Which is a shame because that also leads back to our original first start of this was where we talk about underrated big men. That's why we're in the era of a guy like, let's just be honest, because I'm wearing his shirt right now. All elite, baby. I mean, let's be real. Adam Cole's not the biggest guy in the ring. He's probably going to be this towards the smallest guy in the ring. Exactly. But he's so over. This is the era we're in now where your size, your strength, those things don't matter. It's how well you speak, how much you get over with the crowd. And yes, your wrestling in-ring ability. Those are the things. I mean, we look look at a guy like Will Ospreay. Physically, like I don't think, you know, injuries aside, he's changed his style up since his neck injuries and stuff like that. But we talk about Ospreay. Go back, watch Ospreay. A guy like Ricochet. Mm -hmm. These are not guys that would get over in a territory era just because Mm -hmm. they didn't have a size. Yeah, they're they're not they're not over six feet. They're not shredded. They're not two hundred and eighty five pounds. So it, it's a totally different time. That that attraction goes away, and now you're looking at a lot of skill, and that's why we're in the era we are now. We've had almost thirty years of weekly episodic wrestling. Think about that, gentlemen. Can I, almost can I thirty find, years of it? Can I finally give my pick for overrated? 
No, I don't even want to. <laughs> um, no, we, we got so we got, sorry, we got so sidetracked on that. We, we got to get back so to deep. No, there's some really good yeah. topics that or discussion that come to that. For me, it, 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 you know, I, I, I like if this one, like I kind of had to do some digging, but when I found this person or when this name came across my screen on my phone, I was like, "There's my pick right there." And again, this isn't a slight on you know him or whatever. Uh, you know, this guy, but it's just to me, he never really did it for me. And I mean, he was kind of, he, some people regard him as one of the, you know, like, a, a uh, you know, the best big men, but I don't think there was really much to it. And uh, honestly, for me, like, I'm going to go with King Kong Bundy as being overrated. Wow. Really, when you, th- when you think about like big men in the days, you know, when we talk about the modern era, big man, you know, mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, Jacob Fatu, Hammerstone, you know, Brock Lesnar, like these absolute big guys that can, you know, do these insane things that like the guys that are normally like 220, 230 would do. Heck, heck, even compared to Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, Vader and stuff. I mean, there really wasn't much to Bundy in my opinion. No, I mean, that's a hell of a pick. The, yeah. The, the the only the only thing that really kind of made him stand out was the five count, which was cool. But I mean, to me, there's got to be so much more to that. And yeah, he had his little, you know, little main event run against Hogan, uh, you know, at WrestleMania too. And I mean, the only other the only other like thing that I feel that Bundy did that really sticks in my mind besides the stuff he did with Hogan was his guest appearances on Married with Children as Peggy Bundy's cousin from a Winker County. Yeah. Yep. And that's so. And, and, and I mean, and yeah, he squashed, he squashed, you know, I think it was uh one of the, the I don't want to say the M word, but one of the little people in WrestleMania three, I think it was, uh, I, I can't think of what his name was, but it was like the little, little beaver, I think is who yeah. it was and stuff, you know, but I mean, it's just when your resume, yeah, you had a main event, WrestleMania main event match against, you know, Hulk Hogan, but really he didn't do anything else, you know, and stuff. And just to me, he just was just a big guy who moved around the ring and, you know, splashed people in the corner and made, you know, made the refs count to five. And just to me, that doesn't really do a lot for me. Well, I like that pick for one reason and one reason only, because exactly like you said with him and Hogan, that's the biggest thing I could think about for King Kong Bundy. Mm-hmm. And yet he's always put up on such a high pedestal that even like his autographs go for insane amount of money right now. Especially well, especially now because he's no longer with us, you know, got rest mm-hmm. in peace, King Kong Bundy. Right. But I mean, even like when he was still on circuit, he was, his autographs were still insanely mm-hmm. priced. And that yeah. pick of him and Hogan, forget about it. That's upwards to five to six if you get the right person. But yeah, yeah. man, that's that's a that's a hell of a call, King Kong Bundy. I'll yeah. I'll pu- I'll I'll one up both of you guys on this. The same train of thought. Um, I'll give you the first five WrestleManias. WrestleMania one, everybody still talks about. It's the original. It's number one. You had great huge moments in it. And most of the time, you skip right to WrestleMania three. Yep. Yeah. Am I wrong? Mania two. You're talking about Hulk Hogan, heavyweight champ, defending his title, steel cage match, King Kong Bundy, and it's just overlooked. 
I mean, and this is the, the guy the who only, had the main event program. And the only other match you really talk about from WrestleMania 2 is the Bulldogs versus the Dream Team. Exactly. Which, in my opinion, stole the show for Mania 2. Absolutely. Mania 2, though, was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a mess because that's where they did the, the split show. They threw them in, through the three different arenas. Yeah, and I, I don't think that worked well because we've never seen it really work out again that way. I don't, no company has run a show like that. As far as I know, right? Where you have the same same show, they're doing from multiple locations. I know WWE has done it. Like they just recently did it, where they did. I think the show was like in Cleveland or something like that, and then they had like matches from that music fest in Florida or whatever. But like in terms of other companies doing it, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's ever has ever done it. Yeah, it, it just doesn't get over that well, you know. In my opinion, because if I'm paying for to go to WrestleMania. You're damn right. I'm going to watch every match for WrestleMania. Right. And I don't want to sit there and watch. I might as well watch it at home on TV. Like I, it's, it's, you're going to better advantage of you. But back to my original point, this man was in the main event program as the heel monster that was supposed to dethrone Hogan for the heavyweight title. And it's overlooked. That's real. And that's the highlight. It's an overlooked match and from an overlooked mania because it just didn't really hit. Mm-hmm. You so, know, great, man. great, great picks. Good stuff. So we got uh, one more topic here. And, I mean, we really, the last couple topics really sparked some great conversation because we were almost at two hours here and uh, such. So, but we just keep the conversation going. You know, when you get in a good conversation, you lose track of time and that doesn't even factor in. So uh, this is the last question of the night. And I think this is one that really kind of centers around, uh, to me, when I heard that when this question got brought up, um, I know recently uh, CM Punk did some comments, you know, about how like AEW should try to cater to, you know, the fans they already have, you know, like the hardcore wrestling fans, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, you know, instead of maybe trying to draw new fans, like take care of the fans that are there and stuff, you know, instead of trying to attract a casual viewer or something along those lines. I'm sure I probably took those out of con- those comments out of context somewhere and stuff like that. But uh, in any product business whatever you're always trying to grow your fan base your audience you know your crowd your you know customers your clients whatever and you know professional wrestling's no different so uh i believe uh jovan came up with this question here so we're gonna let him lead off with this but uh gentlemen what is the one wrestling match that you would show someone who's never watched wrestling to get him to get him interested in the product uh jovan what do you got I've been toying with this idea ever since I thought of the question earlier. And to me, it needs to be a match that stylistically is appealing to the eye. Mm -hmm. Story-wise, it's something that's easy to follow and something that you can explain right away. Somebody who's never watched wrestling, you want to be able to give them the backstory on the match quickly, and you want the match to speak for itself. So you need something that has a lot of in-ring storytelling for me i'm gonna go with kenny omega and hangman page versus the young bucks oh that's that's one i was thinking about the match itself has a lot of story backstory that you can kind of get into you could tell whoever's watching it for the first time here's the story going in this is the build-up this is how we got here and this is why it's important 
and you can do cliff note versions so it doesn't get too boring because I did have a good build, mm-hmm. but you hit the high points and then you let the match play. And then you start to see small things throughout the whole build, throughout the story that they were telling in the match play out. That kind of match, and especially with it being arguably one of the greatest tag team matches of all time, should be something to hook a new fan. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good one. And again, I was lucky enough to see that one live. And it's one of my, it's, I've been going on uh, in this, uh, going back and forth in this, up until recently, this was unquestionably the greatest match that I've seen live. But, uh, Joe, do you want to take, do you want to do yours now or do you want to wait? I'll go, I'll go last. Go ahead. Right. Jay. So, so I liked, loved that pick again. Cause I got to sit second row to see that match and it was just an amazing match and it's the ups and downs and pitfall, you know, close pinfalls, the false finishes, everything like that. To me, when I, when I think of, uh, something like this, that where if I want to get someone who's not a wrestling fan to become a wrestling fan, what would I show them? And, you know, you can always say, you know, oh, I show them Flair versus Steamboat or, you know, uh, you know, Austin versus Rock or whatever. But if if we're trying to get someone interested in the product today, I really feel like you need to show them from uh, something from, you know, within the last couple of years or so, because that is what this product is, you know, is, is, is at. Like, you don't want to go show someone, like I said, I'll just use Flair versus Steamboat because it's, you know, their second match, you know, a Clash of the Champion Six is my all-time favorite match and stuff. Like, I wouldn't show someone that today because that's not the type of wrestling that they're going to get if they, you know, start watching it week to week. Now, if they're really getting into it and they want to see some of the older stuff and see what wrestling used to be like, then I can show them that match. Um, for me, though, I you, you mentioned, you know, Hangman and Omega versus the Bucks. To me, I'm gonna go with a match that honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine this with a hot take and say that this is now the greatest match that I've ever seen live. I'm gonna sh- I want I would show them the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in the cage from All Out because to me, I actually you know I was at the show. Jovan was at the show. Joe, you probably watched the show, correct? Oh yeah, I watched it. And that so and. I, uh, you know, again, you know, I won the suite to go, you know, in for the all out giveaway that they were doing. And stuff. So I got to take a bunch of people with me. And uh, one of the one of the people that was there with me was my cousin Jerry's 21 uh, year old daughter, Katie, who is just kind of really getting back into wrestling. And I think about, you know, her going to the show and us talking. She's like, you know, I don't really know who a lot of these guys are, stuff like that and stuff. But like, and I think about, you know, my wife who was there, who's really not into wrestling, you know, that much, you know, but she came, you know, she brought my son with, so he got to see his first show and stuff. And, and he was so excited to see Paul White. So he, I'm hope he doesn't watch this because if he, if he listens to the show and he cries after hearing you guys talk about his sorry, guy, buddy. Paul White, you, I'm be very <laughs> sorry, man. Anyway, anyway, so going back to it though, that, that cage match had everything. It had story. It had psychology, it had blood, it had violence, it had tons of false finishes. Jovan can probably attest to this. 
The crowd was pretty much standing for the most part. I mean, there were te- there there were times in the match where you thought the Bucks were going to go over. You know, you thought the Lucha Brothers were going to go over. You know, when uh, Brandon Cutler threw in the uh, the the spiked shoe or the you know the shoe with laced with the thumbtacks, and that got involved. You're saying, oh, come on, after all of this, this is how it's going to end. Cutler's going to help the Bucks win without, you know, throughout the cage. I mean, it literally has everything that I think someone, a, a wrestling fan, wants in a match. It got, it was, it was, it got to the point where it, it elicited such a reaction at the end when the Lucha Brothers won that my cousin, my cousin Katie's uh, dad, Jerry, uh, who's very, you know, very close to me, he's, I think of him as like a brother to me. He went from sounding like uh, a country guy from uh, southern Indiana to for the next like two, three days when I talked to him, sounding like uh, flying Brian Pillman because he lost his voice literally <laughs> during that match. And he, he was a huge Lucha Brothers fan. He was super excited to see them go over. But just to me, if I'm going to show someone who's getting into wrestling, you know, something that, like I say, this is what wrestling is and this is this day and this is what exemplifies wrestling. I'm showing them that match, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers from the in the cage from uh, All Out. Very good takes. Very good matches. And I am going to be the fly in the ointment for the show once again. Of course. The premier Joey K actually has a 1A and 1B involving the same superstar, the same legend. And my matches are 26 and 24 years old, respectively. So, but even though they are classics, they embody what I would show to somebody and say, this still holds up today. I think I know your twenties from twenty-four years ago. I have a hunch. Yeah, I, I I wonder. So I'm gonna go back to the first one. This is my one B. And at any time, I will say this: these two matches will alternate one A and one B. But tonight, one B has none other. It's from uh, that dirty bingo hall in South Philly, ECW. Ooh. 19, I know this one too. 1995, Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero, two out of three fall match. That was their last night, right? That was their final night, and actually, that was the point I was going to make. The beautiful thing about this match is you have two of the all-time best in the ring against each other in a two out of three falls match. So now you're going to get the extended match. You're going to get the story, the drama, especially that these two characters can build. And you went from a crowd chanting, you sold out relentlessly to both of them since they were both leaving. They're both going to WCW at that point to chanting, please don't go by the end of the match. I remember watching that match on on like like channel 18, like the local Mm -hmm. cable access channel. We had it on channel 48. That's our local cable access here for uh, out of Philly was channel 48 at the time. That match to me holds up today. 20, 26 years later, I looked up the date. It was August of 1995. Yep. Unbelievable how well that match holds up. That's my 1B tonight, but my 1A also involves Eddie Guerrero from 24 years ago. Just Okay, this wasn't what I was thinking, but I think I know where you're going with this. 
Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio for the cruiserweight title, title versus mask, Halloween Havoc. Unreal match. Again, and now that we were talk a match that has a story, a match that builds up Eddie, the absolute hot heel cruiserweight champion against Ray, who not the Ray that everybody knows from the WWE run of Ray, but the original, you know, under talk about underrated. Jesus, he came out and he's dressed as the phantom underrated movie of the 90s. Yes. Uh, but the Phantom outfit, the all purple, and they threw down a an absolute classic match. Did, was it a little predictable in the finish? Probably because Ray wasn't going to lose his mask just yet. And unfortunately, that time did come and he looked like he was a 12 year old child. But that's besides the point. The truth is that is a classic match. And I would <laughs> I would beg anyone to give me a point and say that that those two matches do not hold up today. They do. Uh, in my opinion, 100% they do. And I, I think agree. anybody you want to show real good wrestling, because in my opinion, you can piggyback that and say what these guys were doing in the in the mid-90s to late 90s is the reason we have what these guys are doing. The reason we're seeing what the Lucha Bros are doing on AEW in 2021 and winning the tag titles against the bucks you you don't you don't get one without the other and they hold up so well that you could have that match on today and it would be like oh, i'm stop what i'm doing i'm watching this and it'll steal a show i would beg you to put either of those two matches on any current pay-per-view right now it would steal they would steal a show hands down yeah that's a those are really good ones here good picks, good picks. Yeah. Even though you so, went outside the bounds of current products, I'll allow it. I couldn't. I couldn't. I hey, look, I couldn't help it because the more I thought about it, the more I thought that it has to be something that still holds up. Yeah, is the let me yeah. let me be real. One of the easy answers, like DDJ said, Steamboat Flair, easy answer. How about Savage Steamboat? Everybody holds that match so high from WrestleMania three. Another one, does it hold up? Yeah, it still does. I'm not gonna lie, I can enjoy it, but there are matches that hold up, and there are matches that will hold up the test of time and will be talked about 30 years later that they could steal the show today. And I think those two do. Yeah, I have to, I have to lump them in. I couldn't pass it up. Hey, hey that, that works for me and stuff. So, alrighty then. So that was great topics, great discussion on everything. Uh, you know, and stuff. So, uh, before, oh, before man. we uh, call it a, a, a night here, um, I know uh, Joey was at uh, this past week's uh, Dynamite show and uh, Rampage tapings, and I think he kind of wanted to shoot a little bit on that. Uh, oh, unfiltered shots from Joey K. Well, all right. Let's shoot a little bit on AEW Dynamite and Rampage from Philly. Two-year anniversary of the Dynamite show. I was there in attendance live. Nobody beard me, so screw all you six people that listen to us. Number two. Uh, no, I'm serious. And there, there goes the rest of our fan base. Thank you yep. very much. Da- cutting them down one by damn one. No, the truth is this. We went to the AEW show and overall had a great experience. I want to hit on a couple things I observed. Number one, directed towards AEW. 
please do better. You have a rabid fan base that will literally buy used toilet paper with an AEW logo on it. <laughs> so how about We're you actually... ice cream bar wrappers for like 50 bucks on eBay. Exactly. So how about you step up your merch game a little bit, get Ryan on the phone, get a few extra orders into pro wrestling tees, and take care of your fans. You marketed this as the two-year Dynamite anniversary show, and we get the lamest clip art looking shirt <laughs> that you could possibly make with the AEW roster. And it just says, I was there, AEW Dynamite. No specifics to Philly. No specifics. And you know what? I, I, I'm even okay with not having a specific to Philly, but do something for the second year anniversary. It's the two, two year anniversary show that they hyped up so much. Mm -hmm. Throw that logo on there. You don't even have to call out the date or the city. I'm okay with that. You would have sold tons of them. Number two about the merch. Do yourselves a favor. Take a look at your roster and look at who your champs are and maybe even have their shirts there. I was almost embarrassed in the fact that Kenny Omega is the AEW champion and they didn't have a single Kenny Omega shirt for sale at the only two merch tables that they had in the entire building which was cut down from the last AEW show in Philly when they actually had three and they had a ton of product there. You could get any superstar pretty much on the AEW roster at that point shirt that night. But this night we had a dark order shirt. We had an elite shirt. We had a black CM Punk shirt, which I probably should have got. Oh, well, we had the all elite baby shirt and we had the dynamite, I was there, shirt, whatever. I don't know. You know, Fisher Price, my first Microsoft paint job. It's ridiculous. Um, so AEW, do better on the merch. It was it was slightly embarrassing. A lot of people were ready to spend a lot of money. New York got special shirts, Chicago gets special shirts. Don't hype up Philly and then throw them nothing. Really, come on, do better. That's observation one. Observation two. AEW fans. Do better. For Christ's sake, take a shower. <laughs> I have never walked through a stinkier crowd than what I experienced there. I mean, that's an ECW guy saying that. This is a guy who's was at the, and I'm not talking about the 2300 with the nice little outdoor bar and the table set up. No, I'm talking about the bingo hall where someone shit in the corner. <laughs> it smelled better than some of the fans walking by me in the section. <laughs> so AEW fans, that's to you. Do a little bit better. It's not all of you, but there is some, and you ruined it for the rest of us. Number three, I want to talk about why I went to the show. I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to see CM Punk. Uh, if I haven't made it obviously clear, oh, CM no. Punk is one of my all-time favorites. Absolute, hands down, one of my all-time favorites from Ring of Honor to WWE, now to AEW. I, hands down, will follow CM Punk through his entire career until he retires, and then I will probably chant one more run. So, that said, Got a bad feeling. I Got to see CM Punk wrestle live as opposed to watching All Out or Rampage. And I get it. I do. I've seen a lot of commentary about, oh, Punk doesn't look like he's in shape. 
or I've seen commentary of Punk doesn't look like he did in his last WWE run. When I saw him wrestle live and I saw him wrestle Garcia uh, for the hour of Rampage, it dawned on me. We're getting the exact CM Punk that CM Punk wants to be. And I love that. We're not getting CM Punk 2013 WWE. We're not getting CM Punk, bless you. We're not getting CM Punk Ring of Honor 2004. We are getting AEW's version of Punk. And if I could put on my little tinfoil cap and predict some things, I think we're going to see a heel turn. I think we are going to see something very similar to the pure division in Ring of Honor. And I think CM Punk is going to be the number one heel in professional wrestling again in the somewhat near future. I won't say very near future because I think uh, he even mentioned it in his promo. He's really enjoying the love fest. Let's keep it up. Let's give the fans what they want. Let's sell some merch. Let's sell some shirts. Um, Let's get the people chanting CM Punk. Even though he said cheesecake instead of cheesesteak, kind of a it's an amateur move. It's a rookie move for a guy who said he lived here in Philly. I mean, uh, it's punk. I'll hey, maybe they him. got good cheesecake in Philadelphia. I don't know. It's don't not know. bad. It, it's not bad. I, I can get down on some good cheesecake. I'm not going to lie. Look at me. I'm a big dude. So, but what I saw from CM Punk in the ring was is what I felt is very deliberate. The downside is I don't think that's translated well to television. And I don't think watching it on TV that you quite get it. But when you see it live, I did. I think the Darby match is probably a little eh because that's the emotion of the moment. That's the first match back. It's a, it's technically a main event type match for all out the biggest pay-per-view of the year for AEW. Um, in my opinion, it's over top of double or nothing, but I don't think it translated well on television and it made it come across where a lot of people, I saw comments of, Oh, I waited for this from CM Punk. That's not what I wanted. I, I want CM Punk of this era. Punk has always been known when he changes characters, he changes his hairstyle, he changes his facial hair, he changes his gear, whether it's something small or something large, even the color of his gear, whatever it is. I think we're seeing a CM Punk style that is building to something bigger down the line. And I like where that's going. I appreciated Mm -hmm. it and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Punk didn't finish with the GTS. Did he tease it? Yes, he did. But what did he do? Do you guys watch Rampage tonight? Anaconda Vice. Anaconda. Prior to that, he hit the pile driver. Oh, yeah. Old school pile driver to the Anaconda Vice. But even before so, they made, and of course, watching it live, you don't hear the commentary. So I watched Rampage tonight so I could hear the commentary, hear what was going on. Certain things I missed because the crowd was pretty loud. Also, I'm going to touch back on that in AEW in a second, but on Punk, um, the body slam sequence. Did you guys catch that? Did you hear what they were talking about? Did you hear what Taz and Jericho were going back and forth with in the body slam segment? 
when Punk picks up Scoop Body Slam, looks around at the crowd, picks him up again, another Body Slam, looks around at the crowd. I think we're getting a Punk that he's not there for the flips and the flash and the high flyers. He's there for the classic style wrestling. He's He's bringing that old steamboat style of wrestling back. That's what I thought. That's what I saw. I sat there with my brother. I said the same thing to him, and I'm like, I like where that's going. If that's the direction they're going in, I love it. And I think it will bring something so new for a lot of AEW fans who've only been fans of AEW, who really don't have that backlog, that history, that maybe are only now exploring professional wrestling because of what they see in AEW. You're going to get something really different, and he's going to make you hate him. And when you hate CM Punk, Oh, you guys are going to get a really great version out there. And I know I'm not talking to you two specifically. You two guys know what I'm talking about already, I think. But for the fans who haven't experienced a real good heel CM Punk, you're in for a surprise. I think that's a big thing. And then lastly, I will touch on it because I've already alluded to it. AEW. Great edit job tonight because uh, I watched Rampage and I was there. I did not hear those chants from the crowd that you played on air tonight. And uh, that was a little surprising to me. So a little uh, clever WWE piping in the crowd noise edit style there for AEW tonight. Because I was there in the building. And when Max came out with the acclaim and did his rap, which went over really well, especially when he got to the Ben Simmons section. That arena went nuts. It's actually made national news. There's a lot of national outlets that are saying uh, an F Ben Simmons chant broke out at All Elite Wrestling in Philadelphia, and it did. And it carried through the entirety of Rampage, and it carried all the way out till people were working the concourse after we all got sent home from Tony Khan, Jerry Lynn, CM Punk, who made a showing, Taz, Chris Jericho, and Dean Malenko all in the ring. So if you guys haven't seen that online, I do have a video I could share with you guys. I took a nice video of it. It was really good. Uh, Highlight point of that when CM Punk kind of snuck out because he wasn't part of the group that was introduced. He came out and he goes, hey, I just wanted to remind you guys, I I was an ECW champ as well. And uh, (laughs) a great pop from the crowd for that. It was really funny. I I laughed at that one too. I I thought that was kind of clever. But that chant went through the whole night uh, for Rampage, at least. And uh, they edited it out. And it's funny, if I, as I watched Rampage back tonight, I saw guys mouthing what I just Ooh. said. But I hear a Lucha Bros chant on my TV. And I was like, oh, we got clever. We wanted to cut that out because it was loud and it was dominating. And I assure you, uh, the acclaimed are over. They're, they're really good. Oh I will God, say that they're they really good. Uh, and the fact that Max got held off TV for his uh, not so uh, PC lyrics that he didn't get cleared by Tony Khan. Um, he's coming back out with more fire and I love it. He yep. still pushes the envelope and it gets that crowd so into it. So props to them overall. I was thoroughly entertained. Top to bottom, the entire show, the entire card um, from the dark matches in the seven o'clock hour, the entire episode of Dynamite, everything for Rampage, top to bottom. Um, 
it was a fantastic show amazing show uh, really I, and I, i'm not gonna i'm not trying to fanboy out for AEW. i just call it like i see it if, if it was a stinker it was a stinker i can say this it's not often where i would say the worst match of the night was featuring the elite against brian anderson christian cage jungle boy and luchasaurus and that was probably the weakest link but man was there a huge pop for brian danielson when he came out and oh, that yeah. was big and i was there for that and i was there for cm punk and i wanted to see him do the stage dive and i want to see him wrestle and when he said he was wrestling uh that crowd went nuts except for that one guy in my section who when he asked do you want a cheesesteak or do you want to see me wrestle and there's just one cat yelling cheesesteak <laughs> cheese steak the whole time and i'm like jesus christ there's got to be one and then when punk did wrestle in the match i wanted a cheese steak just yelling i i mean god tony lukes is downstairs go get something you'll be fine but uh i was there for it and i i love it i i really had a great time like i said and lastly quick point they've outgrown the league course that in, in temple um they just it's they can do a bigger venue. They can, they should do a bigger venue in Philly. I think the ticket sales will still be there. Um, but I feel like they've kind of outgrown that. It, it was great for the third show of AEW Dynamite in 2019. I was there for that one. This time around, feeling a little cramped, guys. I think it's time to move up. Bigger things, better things. If SmackDown can run the Wells Fargo, I think... AEW can run Wells Fargo in Philly. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, Because WWE didn't sell out SmackDown two weeks ago in Philly. I can assure you of that. There were still tickets available at Showtime. So, And there were a lot of tickets left over Showtime. That's clever editing. And you can Mm -hmm. do that with the hard cam side. You can do a lot of things like that for AEW. But I don't think AEW will have a lot of problems selling tickets there. I think they can make it happen. But... For Christ's sake, do better with the merch, guys. People want to spend money. They want shirts. They want to be fans. I mean, it's there for the taking. Let's let's go. Let let's get on that one. All right. And on that note, it is time for us to call uh call it a show. It's we're going on uh easily our longest episode ever. Easily, easily. But there's a lot of good talk, and it's definitely if you the here at the end and you started with us at the beginning of this episode thank you i hope you what have- are you doing dummies why <laughs> if you really want us to have any fans after this do we just say you know what we we you know how there's that one episode of south park where it's like you have zero friends on facebook you know i'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how i don't get a discount on our own shirts oh why do well- i have to pay full retail this is that's hot garbage juice Everybody has to. Everybody speaking of uh, speaking of t-shirts, uh, hot one, talking about how uh, people can join the shooting club. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to become part of the official shooting club, check out the links in our show notes. It'll be exactly where you need to go to our Teespring website. We have the shooting club original black because every wrestling shirt is black. But then for people like Joey K who gets hot in black, we have a white option. It is beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourself the chance to wear a great shirt. And as we already said, if we see you shooting in the street, we'll buy you a beer. Right on. Hell yeah. And then also, guys, if you want to 
reach out to us on social media to uh, give us an idea of a topic you want us to shoot on, or if you want to offer your opinions or takes on some of the topics we've talked about on this episode or any past episodes. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see our socials right on the screen, on the overlay here. Uh, and uh, our, so if you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whatever, uh, and also on YouTube, we'll have our uh, socials on there as well too. But uh Ladies and gentlemen, I, it, like I said, you guys, we, we're going on almost two and a half hours of talking, and uh, I don't know about you, but I am ready to get some shut-eye. I, I agree with you. It is a beautiful 2.12 a.m. here on the East Coast, this lovely early Saturday morning that we are recording here for you, for the dozens, and that I do mean dozens. dozens of fans that listen to us we appreciate every single one of you this is the number one the a1 since day one the pacific island playboy the premier joey k and i do want to say i appreciate every single one of you i do want to tell you hit the like button hit the subscribe rate us review us hit us on social media anytime we do get out there let us know talk to us in public i don't mind let me know give us your thoughts on the show questions thoughts opinions anything you want hit our teespring store support join the shooting club wear it proudly hey we'll sell knockoffs from the trunk too i don't care it's probably going to be cheaper because i still got to pay full price which is a bunch of crap but anyway hit like hit subscribe we love you we appreciate you we'll see you next week do you want some cheese with all that wine no, I just want some wine with my wine. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This has been Shooting. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and thanks for listening, everyone.